Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. If they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Welcome. I'm your host. back to the show. I am your host, Eric Salagi. If you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on a show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, both at Uncomfortable Podcast 65. And please remember to leave us a five-star rating and review where you can. Please share the show with others. That is the number one thing that you can do to get Uncomfortable popping up as a recommended in new listener feeds. The more people we get listening, the more experiences we'll have to share in. In the show notes, you'll find the link to the Uncomfortable Discord server. We've been doing some Friday night live chats, and it's been a blast, to be honest with you. We cover all kinds of topics, and I'd love to see more of you get involved. Recently, I asked those in attendance if they'd mind if I recorded our conversations and thought it would be a neat way for all of you to get an idea of what goes on in these chats. Tonight's show is a number of excerpts from one of those recent chats. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope it makes you want to get involved as well. Let's get into it. Bloodfeather, I know you're ready. Well, I was wondering if you're going to have me go first. <laughs> well, you now you know. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so my situation is more of um, I've been going through a spiritual awakening of sorts, and a lot of interesting things have happened uh, since I started this journey. Um, well, you know, I've been going through my journey for like oh, over a year now. I've, I kind of, I don't really want to go to the backstory, but um, I decided to go try out a Reiki energy healing ses- session. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went to one for the first time and then I did notice a huge difference afterwards. I felt like great, amazing, like all my chakras were opened up and aligned and whatnot. God, I love it when um, my chakra opens up. <laughs> and uh, so, it, like, I felt great. But then, like, immediately, <laughs> JJ <laughs> noticed that my third eye chakra closed up. I hate it and... when my third eye closes up. <laughs> <laughs> and so she kind of, like, was like, oh, you know, what's going on? And I was like, I, I'm. she asked me if I was scared. And I said, yes, I'm scared I'm going to start seeing creepy things because I know... Um, in your experience, you kind of started to see things too, when you opened up a little bit. And so like, I was terrified I was going to start seeing all these crazy things. So I had to kind of talk myself into not being afraid of it and just being like, you know what? It's fine. I'm protected. Just let it happen. (laughs) So what happened next was, so like from that first session, I think about like a month passed or not quite a month, um, I joined this energy healing circle with um, JJ and a couple other wonderful ladies. And the um, knitting circle. <laughs> and I was basically just like thrown into it. So like I completely opened up and it was really cool. Cause um, for me, like I didn't see anything like, like actually see anything it was more like in my mind's I was more just like a knowing and not actually like seeing um and it was really neat to get immediate feedback to trust that whatever I thought my I was intuiting or seeing was what was happening (laughs) and it was so that was like a really neat experience and then um after that uh it was like after we were done doing that i heard like a tap on my window and you know there's no wind that night there's nothing that could reach up and tap on that window there's like nothing could make that sound on that window yeah. <laughs> and so me kind of being a little creeped out like oh great i just opened up in my like experience things already <laughs> like um you know i kind of asked jj to take a, a peek because i heard a tap then it was like a minute later I heard another tap like something was trying to get my attention and uh she said it was just this nice cute little raccoon slash squirrel looking nature spirit coming up to say hello because it was all excited that I had opened up I guess (laughs) um so that was kind of cool um but like that night I had a crazy vivid dream and it's gonna get wild (laughs) So I have this dream and I'm going to preface this with like Miley Cyrus is the center of this dream and I don't dislike her, but I don't necessarily like my associations um, with her is, are kind of like not great. Like I don't see her associated her with anything good like, for me personally. Not a role model. <laughs> yeah. 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 
And so what this dream was is she's like trying to lavish me with all these gifts. She performed for me like this con this concert she gave me this gorgeous like blue dress that i put on and was like yeah this dress is pretty cool thanks like <laughs> but i don't like um, you you're a slut <laughs> <laughs> your words not mine Sorry. but it was she just kept trying to be like you know i really want you to come work for me um like then all of a sudden we're like in this car she's showing me all these like things I could have she's paint she had this giant like yellow paintbrush and she was painting lines for like VIP parking she's like see you could have all this VIP access to all this stuff if you come and work for me and then I wasn't buying into anything of what she was trying to sell and so I was just sitting there like why are you even like talking to me like what is like I was almost like offended she was trying to offer me all these things and then as a last ditch effort, she kind of like started flirting with me and like basically was trying to seduce me into coming and working for this her. And I was just show. like, no. <laughs> and I just said no. And after that, I remember walking away from her and I found these objects on the floor. One of them was a rainbow lighter, like the color of the lighter was rainbow. And the other was like, I didn't know what it was. I didn't recognize the items, but I heard a voice tell me it's a, it's a vape pen and like vape juice. <laughs> and I remember just like setting those down and be like, I'll take the lighter and set it in my pocket. And then the dream ended. <laughs> um, you can interpret it how you will. Uh, I interpret it as it was a choice to either follow the light or follow a darker path. And that was me trying to be enticed to join and work with a dark entity. <laughs> Um, that was my interpretation and I chose the light, the light path. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was like two days later I had a dream, um, that I, I just woke up feeling that it was important. I had been talking to this person and they were telling me stuff and it turned out I remember telling JJ about the dream and I was just like, Hey, you know, I had this bizarre dream. Like it was weird, but I feel like it's important. Like, do what do you think of it? And then it turned out to be somebody, um, close to her that it was their death anniversary that had came and talked to me. So that was pretty interesting. Wow. <laughs> uh, and cause I described to the person I'd never seen them, had no idea who they were. Um, and she's like, Oh my gosh, you're describing exactly this person. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. We had a couple, I had a couple more very, very vivid dreams since like they've all been pretty vivid since, and they all kind of aligned to similar things that JJ has been having in her dreams as well. So there's kind of just been this, this has been this crazy connection ever since I've kind of opened up. Um, am I missing anything, JJ? <laughs> I forgot to get my list in front of me. <laughs> Just the last part of last weekend, if you want to share a little bit of that. Oh, you mean, oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, so I had signed up for another Reiki Healy session with somebody um, local to me. And um, I'd booked the appointment the day before. I got the confirmation everything was going to go. I went and showed up there. She wasn't there. So, you know, I texted and reached out to her and 
um, she's like, oh, I was doing a workshop later tonight. So, you know, sorry, I wasn't, you weren't supposed to be able to book this appointment. Like she had it blocked off. She has no idea why I was able to book it. Um, I shouldn't have been able to. <laughs> and so she invited me to come back later Well, we were, t- she ended up calling me and we ended up having this hour long conversation talking about all of, um, the goings on in the spiritual community lately. And that a lot of people are having, um, I remember it was mentioned in that PSA that you and Tommy were a part of the random bouts of depression. She says the last few weeks she's been getting all these clients reaching out to her about these random bouts of depression that are coming out of the blue. They're having lots of really weird dreams and, you know, one lady, um, said she had a dream where she was just enveloped in this white light after a sage touched her head. Like it was just, it was out there. <laughs> um, a, and a lot a sage of, touched her head. It, a, a, yeah. a, a, per, a person who's a sage or yes okay. yes like the dream was um the dream that she had shared was that uh it was somebody who had just she had just um certified them in becoming a, uh, a reiki master and one of the dreams that she'd had shortly after getting that certification and she's like i don't think it's anything relevant to that specifically but it just lined up that way and two sages appeared in a dream. One of them touched her forehead and then she was just enveloped with this white light and she got scared and woke herself up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's part of that. But we just kind of talked about how all these people are having all of these occurrences that it's just, it's everywhere. <laughs> um, so I went to the session. She did a little workshop on chakras and then she did a, a sound healing afterwards where you do like the sound bowls. And then they had um, this Buffalo drum that she drums. And then she had this other drum that has like these little balls in it and you kind of tilt the drum and it sounds like rain or like waves crashing. And she, I remember she made a comment afterwards. She goes, sorry if some of the, drumming you know with the wave one sounded a little forced she said because the balls were getting stuck in the middle of the drum in geometric shapes and so she kind of had to like tilt it and force it to unstick and move down and she's like i've never seen that happen before ever Hmm. um so that was really interesting (laughs) um and then I just kind of, yeah, I don't know. It was just a weird, weird evening. <laughs> and I remember I came together with her to kind of like tell her about, you know, this, you know, the, like the PSA, I shared the PSA episode with mm-hmm. her and everything and the people there. So hopefully people are becoming more aware. I've never, I've never experienced any kind of Reiki energy um, healing or anything like that. Uh, closest I've come to that is acupuncture. Um, but the woman who performs the acupuncture on me is apparently a Reiki master as well. Um, I thought about trying it once, but I, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard varying things on that. And then I see these videos of these, um, and I don't know, maybe this is something completely different. Anybody see these, 
videos of um, men and women that are laying on these uh, beds and this person's just walking around doing these all kinds of these orchestral uh, maneuvers with their hands and their their bodies are all shaking like they're in a full body orgasm or something. Is that is that the same stuff or? No. Because I want that. I want what they're at. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not the uh, same thing. <laughs> well, the one that I experienced, like I had a like a general I- idea of what to expect because I kind of like. I kind of asked JJ to be honest because I was like, well, I don't know what to expect going into this. So just so I'm not like caught off guard, like what's the general thing that people do. And this particular lady, she used like, you know, she, you lay down and she had like an acupuncture mat for me to lay on. Mm-hmm. And it's, and then it's just like on top of like a massage table basically. And then she kind of saged the room and did like an opening like ceremony. And, um, and it's like a like an open ceremony type of prayer. And then um, she had set like, you know, chakra stones on me. And I didn't actually see everything because I did opt to have like the little thing laying over my eyes. Um, it was really relaxing. Like I probably would have fallen asleep, honestly, if um, I wasn't just trying to focus on like what was happening. because I wanted to be aware of what was happening. That's what I was going to ask you. Is is that something, is it, when you have that done, is that something that you, you should remain alert and awake to? No, not necessarily. She experiencing even asked. Or is it just as effective if you, you decide to doze off? I mean, I think it's just as effective if you decide to doze off because she asked me if I was awake. Like at the end of it, she was like, are you awake? Like, because I think some people do just doze off because they get so relaxed by it um but she did her thing and like she used like these sound bowls i don't know if you've ever heard those and that's pretty cool because you feel that going through your whole body the buffalo drum was my favorite because you feel the vibrations of that going through your whole body and that's quite an experience and then she also used like tuning forks and I don't know. I thought it was pretty relaxing, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was cool because it reminds me of, you know, when you go to like a rock concert and you're like up front by like the speakers. Sure. It's kind of like that. Is it really? But like a spiritual healing I, a way, I guess. Hmm. But that's kind of what it reminded me of. <laughs> well, if I ever have to go back for more acupuncture, maybe I'll ask her to throw a little bit of that in too. It's interesting. And she, in the, the one that I went to, she also like channeled, um, she says I use channeling. Like she's like, so if anything has a message that wants to get to you, like I'll write it down. Um, and she said that three, three spirits had, um, appeared and I didn't recognize any of the names, but one of them, it was me and JJ were laughing cause we, me and JJ, JJ was like, that kind of sounds like my higher self. And I'm like, maybe it was, you know, <laughs> Interesting. So after you uh, after you've you've gone through this process of your uh, your awakening, um, are you are you experiencing? And I'm not talking about like the the spiritual stuff or anything like that. Are you experiencing anything that you were like, "Ooh, I wasn't counting on that." 
Um, one day I was in the kitchen making a sandwich and then I saw this like light kind of like blaze past me out of uh, peripheral. It didn't scare me. Like I was just kind of like, Oh, Hey, that was a light that just zoomed past me from nowhere. (laughs) Um, that I've experienced a few of those, like seeing a couple of that things like that. Um, I've experienced feeling more energies, I guess. Like I'm more aware of if I feel something that might be kind of like creepy. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a lot more heightened. Hmm. Um, I know I, I mean, can, I can, that's most of what I've experienced, I guess. <laughs> I can thank JJ for this. Um, uh, what this has probably been a month ago now. I did a, uh, I can thank JJ for this, and I can also thank uh, Justin from Cryptids of the Corn. Um, I had an interview with uh, the UFO Framework. That was uh, uh, or uh, Oren Felix and uh, Jenny uh, Sutherland, and uh, we had done the we had done the interview. I was using uh, Riverside FM, so uh, they were on video with me. And I was sitting here just like everything's set up right now. I had the light over my head over here. It was The studio was dark. There's a little bit of ambient light on the other side of my, my computer, but not a lot. And uh, the recording was done, but I was sitting there and I was looking at them on the screen. And I saw what looked to me like a, a dark head, like poke up from behind my right computer screen. Um, you know, less than five feet away from me. And, you know, I mean, I just play tricks on yourself all the time. I mean, I don't know what the hell it was, but it, it kind of startled me. And I looked back at the screen, and that's the same moment that I saw that. When I looked back at the screen at them, I saw a shadow cast over Jenny in where they were sitting at. Like, it was like... The shadow didn't cast on my computer screen. It cast over her where they were at. And when I mentioned it, she said, well, I just saw a big flash on the screen, like where I'm at. So those those weird little peripheral things, I don't know if it's just that I'm paying more attention to things and, <coughs> excuse me, things aren't getting past me anymore or if I am actually seeing more because it seems like the more you talk about this stuff the more not to plug jj again but i think she i remember her saying that one of her youtubes um that you'll start like little by little the more you open up because you know everybody opens up at a different pace um i remember her saying that it starts with you know it might start with just little things you start noticing out of your peripherals yeah um and then it like will eventually slowly start to escalate the more that you are, I guess, receptive to it. I don't doubt it. Well, Bloodfeather, thanks for sharing that with us. Who else we got in here? We got four, eight, twelve. We got sixteen people in here tonight. That's awesome. Um who else got something to relay to everybody here? Can 
I just say something real quick about our last story? Sure. So I just want to say, being that I was kind of on the the ground floor of witnessing all of that, I think she really dampened down how profound it was. I mean, literally within a week, she went from having completely closed third eye to being completely open, doing intense healing work, vivid dreams, having psychic flashes. I mean, like she hit the ground running. So I just want to give a huge shout out to her for handling that with as much grace as she did, um, because that was amazing to be able to witness and just to get to hear on the day to day how intense the experiences were and how she handled it with absolute grace and amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. Those are the little blessings that I get to witness in my life. And I'm so excited for people when they have them. Yeah. It's a, it's a neat thing when you start hearing their, their experiences. Sorry. I tend to talk. I tend to do that with my stories. Sometimes I'll just, I just be like, eh, it wasn't that big of a deal when it was like a huge deal. That's all right. It was pretty huge. Hey, Justin, I know you got something. Yeah. I, I, I'm just waiting my turn. It's your turn. All right. Uh, not, I don't, can't remember if I shared the sea serpent story with you. No. All right. So, uh, between the ages of like 16 and 20, uh, I would go down to Florida about every winter and shark fish, uh, just something I love doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, why we'd go in the winter is because some of the bigger sharks are actually in the shallow waters and, uh, the beaches, you know, we're coming from Ohio. So all the Florida people are off the beach, but it's still like 60 degrees. So, you know, we didn't care cause it was December or January here. So we're like, it's a lot better, you know? Um, but so we'd shark fish mainly at night and how this would work is that there is anybody who's not been to the beach there. Uh, it slowly gets deeper, deeper, deeper. Then it comes back up to a second sandbar and gets really shallow again. Then you're in the open ocean. So you fish that little trough in between the two sandbars for the big sharks at night. They'll go in there and they'll look for food and stuff like that. And you can actually cast to it. Otherwise you got to swim out baits and stuff like that. So we would set up, uh, this is what I was by myself this time, but we'd set up these shepherds hooked with big lanterns that would face out into the water. And we would do this because, uh, we're trying to unhook a shark and it's one, it's 1 AM and you're by yourself. You want to be able to see what you're doing. So you don't lose a finger or something like that. So it's maybe one, one thirty AM. Um, this is during turtle season. So like the turtle patrol would come by that down the beach about every half hour to an hour. Uh, and all they do is they, you know, there's fishermen spread out a couple miles, you know, you could see a light, you know, a mile away, that kind of deal. They'd ask all the fishermen, Hey, have you seen any turtles? Stuff like that. And, uh, so it's about one I'm facing, I got my lights out. I'm shark fishing and I look out and off to my right, a weird wave comes over that sandbar, that first, that second sandbar out there. And I'm like, ah, that's weird. But you know, it's the ocean. There's going to be a weird wave every once in a while. And all of a sudden it banks, it's, it's left. So coming towards me, and I'm like, ah, that's really weird. As it gets in front of me where my lights are shining about, you know, 50, 60 yards away, this giant 30 foot long black undulating like snake is going in and out of the water. And as it gets right in front of me, you can see a big eye 
and it's staring right at me. It goes past and pulls away, right? Goes right back out in the ocean. So I'm freaking out. I think I'm 17 at the time, 18. Uh, so I wait, wait, wait. And then helicopters start flying up and down the beach with like the big searchlights on. So I'm thinking, I'm, you know, it's the FBI is coming to get me or the CIA. I'm getting ready to get killed because I seen a sea serpent. Then Turtle Patrol came. I, like I said, I've been there for about a week. So I've known, you know, the guys that are there every night. I've talked to about every night, you know, six or seven times. So they come in and I, uh, I tell them what I seen and he tells me and it, well, he was correct. It was a pilot whale. So anybody that doesn't know what a pilot whale is, they're a cousin of the orca. They're a slightly smaller uh, whale, but they're jet black. They have no color to them. So they can look really, really freaky at night because it's really hard to distinguish where the whale starts and the whale ends. They got a big eye. And what they do is they come into that sandbar and they'll actually hunt sharks, the same sharks I was fishing for. So he just would come in to see if I had caught anything or if there's any weak sharks from, you know, a catch and release kind of deal. But if I wouldn't have talked to that guy, I'd have gone my whole life, you know, I seen a 30 foot long black sea serpent and it was, it was freaky. So there you go. My sea serpent story. Well, that reminds me of, uh, and you can find it on YouTube. If you look up South Haven, uh, Lake monster, there's, there's several videos out there and it's probably from, Oh man, may, it might be six, seven years now. Um, and there is the waves are, are crashing. The, the weather is, um, you know, windy as hell. Nobody out in boats or anything. And there is a stationary camera in South Haven that sits on the side of a municipal building that shines out onto the or looks out onto the, uh, the pier. And there is something in the water that is pretty sizable. And it keeps getting pushed up against the breakwater. And eventually, with the aid of the the rough waves, it basically gets up on top of the uh, the pier, and it's weird, man. It it undulates, it moves, it looks like it's got a a shape of a tail at one end. There's not really anything that you can tell, like as far as a head that's discerning of, of being a, a head, but. It is, man, when you watch it, it looks like it is under its own power. And uh, it's up there for a little bit. And then, you know, it moves off and it slithers basically across to the other side and goes, enters back into the, enters back into the water. But because it's on the opposite side of the breakwater, the water is a bit calmer there. And it just stretches out into a very long black and and takes off down the uh, south down the uh, the beach and I've been to South Haven a million times my son Jake he's been to South Haven uh, a lot of times we've been out on that pier and when you look at that and you see the the big wire um, or metal uh, grates that hold the uh, the walkway up um, that's about 25 feet between each A-frame as you go down. And this thing, while it was on there, it took up every bit of that space between the two. So it's interesting. I remember you, I remember you showing me that video in Tennessee. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a firm believer of the giant eels that, you know, they pop up here and there all around the country or around the world. But yeah, I think 
I hundred percent believe there's hundred foot eels somewhere out there. They're just real rare. Some people say it's a big black tarp getting just trashed around by the the waves and everything. It could be, but man, when you when you watch that video, there are moments where it actually looks like it's uh, it's under its own own power. Jesse, what about you, dear? You got anything neat to talk about, Makara? Sorry. Anyone? Hey, it's Jesse. Oh, hey, Jesse. <laughs> I was, I got lost trying to figure out how I got to push to talk so that oh. I could help else, but <laughs> I got confused and I don't remember. Um, I, I don't have anything to share right this moment. I've got lots of stories, but trying to think of them. Yeah. I better write them down. Yeah. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you, you can't, you can't pick one that comes to mind. Oh my God. Okay, so do I have to hold this the whole time? I yes, you do. Okay, um, this was years ago. Um, I was at home by myself. It was the Fourth of July, and I was getting ready to go to bed. The house is black. You know, it's lights are off. Go in my bedroom, and I lay down in my bed. Um, my phone was charging on the bed next to me, but back then it was like a flip phone, you know. Um, I closed my bedroom door just because I always do. I was by myself. Um, and outside my bedroom door is just like a short hallway, if you will. Um, you can just walk through it. There's um, the washer and dryer off to the side, but you can just walk past that to get into my bedroom. And I was just laying there, like, trying to fall asleep. And I remember feeling kind of uh, jittery, maybe, or, like, my body felt kind of staticky, if that makes any sense at all. Anyways, um, I'm laying on my back, and the foot of my bed, so the, the bedroom door was, like, to the right of the foot of my bed. And... All of a sudden, like it was black, pitch black, um, a light shone through underneath my bedroom door and it went up onto the wall to the right of the bedroom door and it was like in a triangle shape <laughs> and I just froze. I froze. I couldn't do anything. Um, I, I've had sleep paralysis a lot in my life. I was not asleep for this, but I felt sleep paralysis um, in my body. Really? I, I like I couldn't I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. Not that there was anybody to speak to, but I just couldn't move. I was frozen. Um, I couldn't tell you if it lasted for ten seconds or a minute. I, I don't know. Um, and then all of a sudden, it just shot back down in a way, and. It took me a couple of minutes to kind of come to. It was almost like something was like not possessing me, but I I, I don't know. Um, I immediately got, when I could move, I got to my phone and I called my, my son was at his dad's house. Mm -hmm. And I just started feeling hysterical. I got hysterical. I started throwing up. <laughs> um, yeah. And 
so my son, my ex, my son's father and my son, you know, he was just a little baby at the time they came. I mean, he was maybe it took maybe like 10 minutes to get there, but I wouldn't move from my bed. I wouldn't move from my bed. I was vomiting off the side of my bed. I didn't want to open that door. I knew there was no way that um, any type of light could, whether somebody was driving by the front of my house, there, there was no way a light could come underneath my door. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, and the way that I was feeling, I just definitely knew something was going on. Um, so he finally got there and... <laughs> He opened my my bedroom door and he was just, he knew that something was wrong with me for sure, you know, and we had been together for six years before that. So he definitely knew something was up. I was white as a ghost apparently. Um, and he brought in a baseball bat. <laughs> he opened up all the closets, you know, and it went through everything. Nobody was there. Of course, nothing was misplaced. Yeah. Um, I finally, once he started turning lights on and stuff, I was able to kind of walk through the house. He helped me get to the bathroom and I just laid on the floor, threw up a couple, you know, a couple more times. And I just, I was drained. It was just like, I just laid on that bathroom floor and I still have no, um, a reason. I have nothing to say for that. I, I don't know. Nothing else happened like the, that night, that next day. I, I have no idea. <laughs> so that's one I can tell you. What, uh, what did you make of the whole thing? I mean, you know, looking back on it now and having, you know, however long it's been to, to look back on it, what do you... Well, I mean, I, I, as a child, I, I mean, I was the, the quote, quote, tie-dye sheep of the family, you know. Um, I, I could see, you know, things when I was little, nobody believed me, all of that. So, you know, like most people you shut off all these gifts that you don't realize are gifts. Um, so I had always had lots of things that were kind of happening. Um, but I would just keep to myself, you know? Um, so, but so like stuff like that would happen before, let's say like, like you guys were just talking about like the, the stuff out of the peripheral, you know, yeah. like dining or like shadows and stuff like that, but not never had it happen before to where, now, before prior to this, I had had sleep paralysis too, but never um, seeing like a light like that um, when it shouldn't have been there. It didn't just shine and then go away. It was there for a good amount, you know, mm. of minutes or not minutes, seconds, maybe up to a minute that I was froze and felt sleep paralysis, although I was awake. That's crazy. I've only experienced sleep paralysis one time. Yeah, and that, it, and that was no. fairly recent, uh, maybe like really? within the last year. How did it work for you? How did it feel? You know, I woke up from a, apparently I was having a nightmare. I don't really remember what, you know, at the point that I woke up, I don't remember the dream, but I remember waking up and I was, I was sleeping like this. I had my arm out and when I woke up, I was like, I was trying to scream and I was, I, I could hear myself just going and I can remember I could not move my freaking arm to save my life. That's awful. It would not move. Now I can't tell you if any other part of me was, you know, it didn't feel like it was asleep either. It wasn't like the numbness you get and the tingly stuff from right. being asleep. Yeah. I just, I could not move my arm and I, 
I recognized it like immediately. And I was like, oh, this is fucked up. I don't like this at all. <laughs> Did you feel just complete doom and dread and fear at the same time? <clears throat> Honestly, you know, once I had woke up, it became very apparent to me that I was having a bad dream. So, no. Um, just lingering from the bad dream. Yeah, just, just the lingering of the bad dream. But whatever was going on in that dream, um, I don't get scared of much, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and, you know, for me to be, like, you know, trying to scream and not be able to open my mouth, and uh, just that, mm, <laughs> and, uh, you know, my heart was pounding pretty good, and I can just remember not being able to move my arm. It was just like everything in my arm was locked. Now, I can't remember if my legs wouldn't move or my other arm. I don't remember anything about anything other than being hyperfixated on that arm, and that was that was funky. I did not like that. Yeah, no good. Well, that's weird. What do you, I mean, looking back on it now, do you, I mean, do you think that, do you have any thoughts on what you think that was or oh. what it was a, a result of? <laughs> um, I mean, it could be, I mean, I'm down to hear any opinions, of course, but like I said, I had already been experienced, you know, experiencing some different things. Um, I mean, when I, when I was in second grade, my grandmother passed away um, and I was sharing a bedroom with my um, sister who was just two years older than me. And we had twin beds, but one was on that side of the room. One was on the other. And um, I was laying on my back and my grandmother, <laughs> she was in the ceiling right there talking to me. Like, and my sister panicked, screamed for my mom to come in and neither one of them could see my grandma, you know, but both of so you saw her. I did. Oh, yeah, I saw, I could see my grandma, but you know, um, and it wasn't, it was more like, I guess everybody's definition of apparition could be different. Um, it was more like uh, my grandma is a ghost, mm -hmm. type, but I wasn't scared, you know? So I feel as though th the incident that happened when I was in my bed and the light could have possibly been a different spirit of some sort that I was maybe in the wrong, like emotional state to be dealing with it. At the, I, I, I honestly don't know. What do you think? I don't know. You know, it, it, here's the thing for me when, when people have these types of experiences, I think a lot of it is, a lot of it is what you're conditioned to because of your beliefs. You know, like when you have a, a Christian or a Catholic or, you know, somebody who is very oriented towards um, the, the Bible as far as their religion goes. Whenever they see something, it's demonic if it's dark. If it's, if it's light, they, they immediately jump to, you know, pointing that it's, you know, angelic or it's, you know, right. a good spirit. Um, you know, in other cultures, you know, in the Middle East, you have people that, you know, they don't call them demons. They call them jinns, you know, they're genies, yeah. genies you know, I just so heard that. I, I think 
I think a lot of people's perception of what they experience is based on their belief system, how they grew up. You know, I, I was born and raised Catholic and, mm-hmm. and practiced probably till the age of, I don't know, somewhere between 13 and 15. Um, and that was a very hardcore, it, till this day, even though I disagree with, you know, Catholicism, and even though I think that spirituality is something that I, I need to have a more personal relationship with the creator rather than allowing a, a church or an organization tell me how to have that relationship with whatever it is that did create us. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still hard to, to abandon those early beliefs yeah. You know, even though, even though I don't agree with them, it, it still creeps in and it's still, it makes you want to point towards, you know, oh, that's negative or that's evil or that's good yep. or that's angelic. You know, I have a friend of mine who said in a conversation not too long ago, and, and it really kind of stuck with me. And it's like, what if these things that people experience, what if it's just part of our natural world? What if it just is? What if it's just that and what becomes negative or what becomes a positive experience is, is only because of what our belief system is rather than what it actually is. I get that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's put a different perspective on it for me. So, um, you know, that's not to say that there isn't good and bad in the world. And there's probably good and bad in the the spiritual realm as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes I think maybe these things, and, and I'm even talking about, um, you know, like cryptids, uh, cryptids for, you know, maybe these things are just part of it all. Maybe there is no, you know, what we decide is right and wrong. You know, back back when we were running around with, you know, hair on our bodies and not even worried about wearing a loincloth or anything, you know. Before Manscaped. What's that? Or Manscaped. Before Manscaped. <laughs> um, you know, what did, what did we think back then? You know, I mean, obviously we didn't have, maybe something scared you, but you would not have had the education or the indoctrination I guess I should say that would be, Oh, that's evil. You know, maybe it scared the shit out of you, you know, (laughs) because it had claws and fangs or, you know, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's, it's strange for me to, to look at things like that and, and try to put it into the perspective of maybe this stuff is just all part of the natural world. Yeah. Can I play devil's advocate a little bit? Sure. Yes. What if instead of, like you said, what if it's not really evil? What if, what if we perceived it as evil because it scared us rather than, you know what I'm trying to say? Right. Like off guard, you know, our fear response is supposed to protect us from things that could potentially harm us. Right. So if something scares you, you're going to assume it's evil or it's out to hurt you. Absolutely. If it is, if it incites a fight or flight response in you, then yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. hundred percent. 
And I've just recently learned too. Well, not recently, I guess maybe last three years, um, there's fight and flight and then there's freeze. Um, like freeze is a legit response that occurs within the brain. Um, so I, I can't say whether when I was laying on that bed, something had a hold on me or if I was just in freeze mode in my body's natural chemistry, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah. You know, that, that whole, that whole not being able to move my arm and, and trying to scream, but my mouth wouldn't open. That was a bizarre thing. I I mean, I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever had that experience before. So I have to assume that that was as close to sleep paralysis as I've ever come. Um, but no real lasting effects afterwards. So, Eric, this is Bubbles. Hey, Bubbles. How you doing, dear? Good. Um, I just wanted to kind of validate. I've had several experiences throughout my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And whenever I'm, um, whenever something or someone from the other side comes to visit, I find the same thing. My The hair on my arm gets, I mean, it's just... I can barely speak. I can, in fact, I can't speak. And then finally I can blurt out something, but that's real. Anyway, I kind of wanted to share a doozy of a story that happened to me years ago. And it kind of dovetails from what you guys are talking about. I was, excuse me, working and living in San Francisco. This is some time ago. And, um, I don't know if you all remember Anton LaVey, who was the head of the Satanic Church. Okay. I had been in the church all my life. My parents were were religious. My mom had seen Jesus Christ at age 12. He appeared to her. So, you know, I was definitely of the light. And for some reason, my girlfriend and I, we got a hold of this um, flyer that said, there would be satanic music at Anton LaVey's home in San Francisco. And we thought, oh, that might be kind of fun. It's like I was veiled. I didn't even think twice. So we drive up, and here's this house. It's like the traditional San Francisco Victorian home where you climb up the stairs and then, you know, the old type. Sure. And so we we ring the doorbell. And the door opens, and there's this woman with long blonde hair. It was his wife. And she says, oh, come in. And at at that point, a dog came running out. And then I found myself um, dodging this thing that came at me. And I said, what's that? And she said, oh, don't worry, dear. They're bats. There actually were bats in the house that came flying out at us. Okay, so we go in, and here's Anton sitting by the organ, and he's playing along, and um, there are all these relics, uh, skulls, and and dark things, and and we thought it was hysterical. There were probably about 10 or 12 people there, and he was getting really aggravated with us because we kept laughing, and I'm glad we did, but so... This continued for about an hour, and every time he'd try to play, we'd just break out laughing. So finally we left, and he gave us some literature. I just put it in my purse, didn't think a thing of it, and thought, gee, that guy's really a showman. And that's all it was. 
So um, about two or three weeks later, I start to go to sleep in my bed, and all of a sudden, my whole uh, third eye opens. I guess I'd been seeing things prior to that, but I, I, I don't really recall too much. But anyway, it was like a movie screen right in front of me. And here is this man, and the man had jet black hair, piercing black eyes. Uh, he was wearing a black suit with a red shirt and a red tie. And he was just looking at me. And he was, you know, he was mobile, so you could see. He was just looking at me. And it scared me to death. And so, you know, I shut down, I, ah, you know, and show, put the light on and all. This happened night after night, and I realized later it was the same thing of, uh, do you want to come to our side? And I kept thinking, where did I, you know, how did this happen? And so about three months after that, a friend of mine was over who was quite psychic, and um, <clears throat> I was looking for something in my desk, and I brought out this file, and in the file were the Ten Commandments of the Satanic Church and all kinds of literature that evidently, when I had put it in my purse, I, I didn't think anything of it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, but it was still there. So uh, this person said, aha, okay. So what we started doing is calling in the Christ light, and <clears throat> I finally got rid of it, but this guy... Um, he wouldn't let loose. He would just come and visit every night, every night. And finally, um, through prayer, um, I closed it down. But the moral of the story is um, be very careful what you subject yourself to, because I have no idea that I was in for that type of a ride. And it, then finally, uh, just to add to it, um, I came home from work one night and I was kind of sitting on my couch and kind of dozed off. All of a sudden I wake up and I see this black bean, it just this, this like a big bowl of cotton. It was all black and it was trying to get over me. And it was, um, what's the word? Um, suffocate you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Trying to suffocate me. And so finally I was coughing and I finally got up and, and uh, so these things are real. Wow. These are very real. That's a great story. I mean, it's true. It, Every it, bit of that is true. Yeah. I'm, I'm floored that you were in the black house. I know that's, <laughs> that is, that's insane. Welcome to my mother, everyone. <laughs> Hello. Hello, lovely beans. That's insane. <laughs> I know. And the fact, Eric, is the fact that I knew better. Yeah. But maybe I was, you know, uh, this person did tell me, he said, there was a reason you went there. And maybe I was, you know, sending something to this guy. But, I mean, all I know is it, it was almost like out of Hollywood. It was so theatrical. But, uh, yeah. He got a hold well, he, on me. He, so. was, he was quite a showman. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> literally, dear, you were in the headquarters for the Church yes. of Satan. 
from, I know. from 1966 until he died in 1997. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Laughing and at him. I know. And that's when I say, you know, laughter can really ward off a lot of dark spirits. So, and it can be very healing. And the fact that my girlfriend and I could not stop laughing, he was getting very perturbed, too. The, too bad. The joke. <laughs> The gentleman that visited you, uh, all in black with the red tie, was that Anton? I uh, know it was Lucifer. Oh, oh, you got the big dog. No, it didn't, no, it didn't look like Anton. No, it was Lucifer, and I can still see that face. And he was just looking and kind of half smiling at me yeah. and just watching me. But I mean, wow. the clothes, yeah, yeah. He was in living color, too, just as though the person was uh, out of Hollywood just looking at me. And it was with my own eyes. I opened my eyes, and it was right in front of me. That's crazy. Yeah. What a story. Wow. Thanks for sharing well, that. Well, I, I thought I'd jump into the fire tonight and <laughs> let you hear that one. <laughs> I appreciate it. That was great. Holy cow. Hey, I want to point out here, uh, we got some we got some royalty in here with us Uh Looks like Tommy from the Let's Get Freaky podcast has finally got uh, got some uh, got some audio Tommy. going. Do you, Tommy? Let's hear it, Tommy. I Can you speak? Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, it doesn't show that you're muted anymore, but <laughs> we don't have any audio. Um, so, and also Kyle from the Hollow Sky podcast, he's in here tonight. Thanks for coming in. Hey, Hollow Sky man in the house. Kyle, thanks for dropping in. Um, I see you're muted. I assume you probably know how to do this, but if not, uh, go down to your profile, look at the... Um, the gear for the user settings and you have to toggle to the push to talk. Um, I'd love to hear from you, bud. Hello. Hey, Tommy, there you are. There we go. How you doing, my friend? I'm very good. Thank you, brother. 
Well, I, oh, we, we started at we started at eight o'clock for you, but you never. Oh, no. Now it's after nine, like we would have started <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you started early for me, and I can't even. I can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming by. No, no problem. This is awesome. This is awesome. Can you still hear me? Yes. Yep. We oh, can cool. hear you. I'll keep holding. I've got to keep holding the button now. <laughs> what uh, What have you got for us tonight? Um. Well, you were talking about sleep paralysis. Yeah. I, I used to have that weekly. Did I used you really? to have it. Yeah. And this is going back in my old flat where I used to live a year ago. I've been out there for a year. I used to get it at least once a week. And I never put it down to, to being paranormal. So I'd, I'd have, have have it weekly. Um, as you were describing, you can't move. You can't speak. Um, I used to get this weird sensation go through me. And I could feel like there was something in the room, something evil. Mm-hmm. I just got a horrible, nasty feeling from it. And I couldn't look around the room to see where it was. But I could see it in my mind's eye, if that makes sense. And it was like um, just a weird, dark figure. And um, in my, it sounds weird, but I knew it was like an evil witch. That's what I always thought it was. Um, and when I would come out of the sleep paralysis, I would sort of dust myself off. I was like, that was weird. Uh, and then I, I didn't put it down as being paranormal. I just used to think I was stressed, I was working hard, whatever, no, not enough sleep. Because it was when you were in and out of sleep that it normally happened. And um, it wasn't until recently talking to people like yourself and doing the show that I realised I was experiencing something that was probably paranormal. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked into the witch thing, and that's, uh, that's meant to be a thing as well. I think they call it the hag. Yeah. And that's what I was, that's it, yeah. That's what I was feeling and seeing. And it was, when it was happening, it was the most terrifying thing. Um, You know, I I couldn't move. I used to just have an argument with it in my head, basically. I was like swearing at it, telling it to leave me alone. And it was was horrible. It was really horrible. It, It only used to last for a couple of minutes, but it was just... Yeah, it was a really horrible feeling. And, yeah, I used to get that every week. Like, at least once a week that would happen. Then when I moved to Dorset a year ago, it stopped. Um, didn't happen. Uh, and it recently happened three weeks ago. Oh, again. Two, yeah, I've had it twice in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so I'm hoping it's not going to be a regular thing again, but... Are you still yeah. Are you still getting the dread... Yeah, yeah, right. it's still a nasty feeling, yeah. it's it, When it's happened recently, though, it's not been, I've not got the witch feeling from it. It's been, it's something else. Mm-hmm. It's something, it's something. I'm here to help. Oh, that's my turn. No serious. Oh, wow, I'm a serious talking There we go again. Siri's back. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's, it's very, it's, it's a horrible feeling, though, when it's happening. You keep bringing up the witch thing. I mean, it, was there was there something related to you that had to do with witch? I mean, it's just something that I sort of I just knew. It sounds crazy, but I just knew that's what it was. That's just what I told myself it was. Hmm. 
and I could see it in my mind's eye, but and I knew it was in the room, but I couldn't look around the room to see it. But I could just, it was just, it was just like a black, I can't even explain what it looked like. It was just like, um, just like a massive black shadow, basically. But it just had this evil, really evil feeling to it. And, yeah, it was, it was terrifying. I, I would swear it in my head. I'd be like, you leave me alone. And, and I'd battle with it and it would go. And I'd wake up and I'd be like, oh, still shaking and, I dust myself down. I'd be like, okay, that was that was weird. Must be tired. Uh, must be stressed. But it, it happened. It happened so often. And I, I remember, have a question. Yeah. When this happens to you, um, if you can think about it, are you laying in a specific position each time, or is it always different? Uh, actually, I would say I'm probably normally on my back when it happens. That's probably. But I sleep like that a lot anyway. That's yeah, I... that so that's exactly when mine <clears throat> would happen, and oh, okay. eventually I got to the point where I could almost sense when it was going to happen. I actually, I don't know how to explain the feeling. Um, it was kind of like I kind of almost heard, heard like like a swoosh, um, and it almost my body felt like I was about to fall. Or some, I don't know if that makes yeah, any sense. 100% that makes sense, yeah. So as soon as, and, but, but in the, but before I got this under control, I wasn't able to recognize that that was the beginning of it or that I could, at that point, I could do anything about it. I didn't realize that. But now I'm able to kind of control it. Um, so, cause I am a back sleeper no matter what. Um, and, when I can sense that it's coming, I, I just have to some, I have to move something, um, whether it be my arm in a different position, just turn my head to the right, turn my head to the left, any, any different position, or sometimes I'll just kind of roll on my side a little bit and make sure that my chin is up and like my neck is up. Um, it's, it doesn't happen. And then before I know it, I'm back on my, on my back again and I'm fine. Out of curiosity, have either one of you two been uh, done a sleep study for sleep apnea? No, I haven't. Uh, no. I never had like the full-blown attacks like that, but I, I used to be in like a half-awake and half-asleep state, and I'd feel like I was suffocating. Come to find out, I wasn't breathing, and my body was trying to wake me up. And I went and got uh, a CPAP machine. And I haven't had it ever, ever since that's just a terrestrial mundane, perhaps, you know, I know that there is a spiritual aspect to a lot of those cases as well, but for me personally, it was just sleep apnea. Sure. Thank you. You know, honestly, that, that makes sense because I am, I'm not a, a back sleeper. I always sleep on my sides, but when I had that happen, I was on my back. I was flat out on my back and my arm was out to the side like that. And I can even remember my head was tilted back. Um, and I'm overweight, you know, and I'm sure my kid's in here. He'll tell you, I, I snore like a son of a bitch, you know. So um, it was not without reason that I would have uh, sleep apnea to some extent. Well, and what, what was really shocking to hear was actually, um, who is this house? Jess and 
And Tommy? Res- yeah, okay. Um, she said that she'd tilt her neck back and then it would go away. Mm-hmm. That's in the, on the EMS side of things when I'm working fire calls and stuff like that, right? That's how you open that's an airway. Te- yeah. That's how you open an airway. Exactly. Right. You get more oxygen to the brain. Wow. Good call, MG. So hey, it's just I a theory. Mean, that's all. It it is. I have had sleep paralysis as well, as well as unfortunate night visitors um, my whole life. And I have been tested for well, sleep because apnea. Because your mom went to the freaking black house. <laughs> Thanks, mom. I love how that was her. Like, I'm gonna come out and say hi, story. Jesus. Oh, I I I partied with Anton Lavey. <laughs> I laughed at Anton LaVey's face. The whole, this sounds fun. (laughs) That's what got me. I'm just like, what? (laughs) Yeah, but I I have been actually um, tested for sleep apnea twice, um, just in in wondering. And both times they laughed at me and said, absolutely not. Like I did the whole test and everything. So there are cases where this stuff happens and it is purely spiritual. Um, you know, to speak to your specific incident where you knew you were awake and you saw that triangle of light and that fear hitting you, that fear can be paralyzing. There's fight, flight, and freeze. And sometimes when something happens that is so abnormal and like your brain cannot process if this is a threat or not, it goes into freeze mode and it's terrifying. And I'm so sorry that that happened to you, by the way. Yeah. Thank you, Darren. It's all good now. Thank goodness. Right. Yeah. I too have also had uh, sleep paralysis like a ton throughout my life. Um, although I've only had it once since a uh, little help from JJ. So yeah. And I In mean, any case, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, I mean, we're not well, trying, I, mean, we're, I don't think we're trying to explain anything away that it's not. Um, but, you know, anybody that listens to the show, I encourage everybody to look at things from multiple perspectives and, you know. Absolutely. No, 100%. I, I, I love whenever we're trying to figure things out because there are sometimes logical reasons why things happen. But. You know, in, in her story, and for instance, like she was fully awake yeah. when that happened. In Tommy's instance, I mean, yes, there is the thing with the old hag and the sleep paralysis. But isn't it strange that people from all over the world, all these different cultures, going back to times before we had the Internet and phones and all that, they all saw the same being an old hag? Isn't that a little weird? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Hey, Jake, my son. Yeah. Hey, um, jump in here and uh, share that story I was asking you to uh, relay. Which one? Uh, When we were downstairs when you were using the uh, Xbox Connect. Oh, I mean, it's not really too much of a story, but the Connect would like when you like when you were using it it would show like a little camera down in the corner and uh it was like tracking stuff walking around uh when no one was 
walking around in our basement in a house that we had built it wasn't it wasn't an old house or anything um back when back when he was younger i used to go down in the basement and i'd just that was hanging out with him you know he wanted to play video games i didn't much care for video games but i'd just go down there to to spend time with him and uh i was sitting in the in the love seat or in the recliner and he was sitting in the love seat and uh we had a 57 inch um 57 inch projection tv then he had his xbox connected to it with the connect and in the lower lower right hand side um it had like a picture in picture for the connect and i don't know it was probably a good foot you know in size because of the the largeness of the screen and uh, he was playing some game, and then I think I told him, hey, put the Cabela's game in because I wanted to shoot at some animals and stuff. <laughs> and uh, while it was loading, the the Connect was just mapping out the, the basement that we were in. And it mapped him sitting on the love seat, and it mapped me sitting in the recliner. And then over my left shoulder in the corner of the basement, it mapped a third figure. And there was nobody else in there. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I was looking at the TV and I looked back and I was like, there's nobody there. And in the time that I did that, he had shut off his Xbox controller. He had shut off the TV <laughs> and his ass was going up the steps to go upstairs to go to bed. And I was like, uh-uh, I ain't staying down here. <laughs> but yeah, crazy stuff. Weird. Who else has got something? I've got about 15 minutes of good cell service. I'll jump in real quick. All right. Let's see. For those of you that know me, I'm from Missouri. How's it going? Hey. Uh, I drive a tractor trailer for a living. This is about four years ago. I was running night shift. It was probably around 1, 32 o'clock in the morning. I was coming west out of St. Louis. I don't know how familiar you are with that region whatsoever, but I was on I-64 headed west, and uh, it was late. I, I was listening to a podcast, drinking some coffee, trying to stay awake, and I'm looking at my mirrors. There was a, It was moderate traffic for that time of night. You know, there might have been 10 cars on the road in either direction. It was pretty, pretty, pretty slow evening, but it was also real early in the morning, and I'm coming, coming through this turn and I, we're right against this Jersey barrier. You guys are familiar with Jersey barriers. I assume. Yeah. I, I don't uh, know what it is. A Jersey barrier is a concrete wall. They'll put up on the highway and they kind of zip together and they got a, a contoured bottom to them. So they'll kind of push you back on the highway if you get too close to the wall, mm. but they stand about four foot tall, usually anywhere between three and four foot tall. And sometimes they go taller, but in this case they were the four foot tall ones. And I'm looking back in my mirror, and I notice that there's a dog on the highway right behind the truck. And that's it was kind of it kind of struck me as odd for a couple of reasons. One, we're on the interstate, and two, I had just came through there. Like it, you know, it wasn't there a tenth of a mile ago. And I look back in the mirror, and there's this dog jogging down the highway. And I, my first thought was, well. That's kind of strange. I hope it doesn't get hit by a car. 
And I looked back at my at the road and I thought, that was a big freaking dog. I looked in the mirror again, and sure enough, there's that dog, and it's chasing my truck. And its back was even with the Jersey barrier. And I'm doing 70 miles an hour. I'm I'm losing it, but not by a lot. This dog was hauling, and it's running right along the Jersey barrier, headed the same direction I am. And the only thing I can really remember of it was it was black as night, and I could tell it had yellow eyes. And I just put my foot to the floor, and I, I it scared me so bad that my wife, 72 miles away, I called on the phone and told her to get everybody inside, make sure the doors and windows were locked, and not come outside until I got home. You know, I mean, it scared me to the point where I thought my family was in jeopardy 72 miles away. Jesus. And, the, and its shoulder blades, the, the, the top of its back was even with that. With the four-foot jersey wall, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Justin, is there any chance? Yes, there, sir. Is there any chance there is a wolf out uh, in Missouri that's uh, large enough that would accommodate something like that from a biology standpoint? I mean, four foot tall at the shoulder is pretty big. You have to go back to the last ice age to get anything canid that big on this continent. Uh, so no. That's crazy. And yellow eyes, huh? Yellow eyes. I distinctly remember that. Which is odd because... You know, if, and that's, if, that's what's really strange because I shouldn't have been able to see the eyes from that distance, but it was kind of kind of like, um, almost like mind's eye. Like I knew what it was. Oh, yeah. You know, I knew instantly that it was something that did not intend life and love and happiness for me and my family. You know, I, I've never seen it again. But it was a wholly different experience. I, I've been driving for quite a while. I've actually seen what a lot of truck drivers talk about, the black dog. I've seen that a few times in my life when, when stereotypically, just as the story is told, I've been pushing too hard, I'm low on sleep, I'm, you know, some desolate highway. But that's always been like a shadow or a caricature that would run along the side of the truck. And whenever I started seeing stuff like that, my, my brain goes back to those old legends of, man, maybe you're too tired. Maybe it's time to shut down. And I'd find yeah. a place to park, go to bed. It was never anything that, that made me feel like my life was immediately in danger. That was the only time that I saw something like that that scared me to that degree. Wow. May I ask a question? Absolutely. Uh, in the following weeks, did you experience anything traumatic or any loss of family or anything like that? Loss of family, no. Traumatic, not to my knowledge. It, it, I don't know that it was a death omen, if that's what you're getting at. Um, no, so, oh, sorry. No, continue. So, we've covered, like, the Black Shuck and stuff a couple times. Uh, the Black Shuck kind of has, like, two separate stories storylines behind it with people and encounters. It almost always feels like dread and stuff like that. When you see it, like fear, dread, but big black dog, yellow or red eyes. Uh, but half of the stories end with it trying to warn you or just trying to say like, Hey, heavy life changes are coming stuff like that. We had a guy on our show that I know personally that came and shared a very similar story. He literally, it was chasing his car. Yeah. Huge, huge black canid. And he was actually driving to the hospital where his wife's mom uh, passed away that day. So there's those kind of things. And then, you know, Black Shuck also, it's weird because in Europe, there's two kind of tales with it. The other side of it, it's, it's like 
embodiment of evil. But I kind of lean towards the side of it's a, not not like a omen or a warning, but maybe just saying like, Hey, you know, something's coming in your life. Look out, just be ready. Ushering it in. Yeah. Interesting. Tommy, he, he said that that's, that's uh popular lore over in uh, Europe. Is, is that something you're familiar with? Um, I know we've got in where I live, there's a, they call it the devil dog. A lot of people see a dog in the forest. Uh, that sort of fits the dog man description. And I didn't know that until I moved here, which is quite interesting. Hmm. But that, that, that one in particular that you're talking about is getting up on its hind legs, correct? Um, people, there's all different accounts of it. Some people say it's literally just like a big black dog. Some people describe it as, yeah, our people uh, uh, say the dog man moves. Um, yellow eyes, red eyes, some people say. Yeah. It, uh, people, yeah. It's interesting. Quick question, Tommy. One of the strange... Sorry. Continue. Oh, no, no, no. You go ahead. I'm about to be in bad cell service anyways. I'll bring it back up in a few, few minutes. I was just going to ask, um, Tommy, do they still have that werewolf in London? Oh, no, I don't know. I am laughing at the song. <laughs> I had to, like, bring a little laughter into this. It's got real serious all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm about two hours from London now, so... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, werewolf in London. <laughs> That's a great song. But the, the devil dog near me, I'm literally right next to a big forest now where the they say the devil dog lives, so I could be pretty close to that. Well, I am pretty close to that. <laughs> any, any plans on going out and uh, doing any kind of investigation, I'm or are you just really going to leave that up to the the guys and, and have them on the show and talk about it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I'll stay in the safe part. <laughs> I don't blame you. That's it. <laughs> I don't they blame can, you. They can uh, risk it all. <laughs> Did I tell recently, well, not recently, when I first moved here, I took the kids out for a walk in the forest and we didn't go too far, but we, we went out for a bit. And my eldest, Amy, uh, she stopped and she said, daddy, I've just seen, she she described it as a Bigfoot. That's how she described it. And I was like, no, Amy, you've not seen, you've not seen that. I, I'm just thinking she's seen something that I've been watching on telly, a documentary or something that she shouldn't have seen. So I've, I've played it down. And then about a week later, I found out that there's the, the devil dog law there. And I was like, well, maybe she did see it. <laughs> Has that plagued her at all? I mean, no. she let it go and... She still remembers it. She still talks about it, yeah. She? she still says, yeah. And at the time, I sort of, I was like, no. It was it was getting dark, and I said, I just thought she was getting herself a little bit scared or whatever, but it's interesting. It could could have been. Huh. There's also the Grey Man of England, too, which is kind of like a Bigfoot-like creature yeah. that's seen over there. Yeah, yeah. They've got that in Scotland as well, isn't it? The gray, yeah. Is that hair covered, Justin? The gray man? Yes. Is it? Yeah. So the reason it's called the gray man is on the moors and stuff like that. A lot of times it's seen in the fog, mm. so it appears to be gray, like a giant gray man. 
but the people that have up close encounters with it describe it very similar to some of our like Southwest Sasquatch being really thin and tall mm-hmm. instead of like some of the Pacific, like the big bulky guys, yeah. it's more of the thin and tall type. Not the tanks. Which would make sense. Yeah. You know, a lot less food sources and stuff like that there. Yeah. All right. I'm back in the cell service. Okay. Are you though? <laughs> We're not getting you. Let's give him a little bit more time. Uh, Justin. One of his friends seen almost identical thing in Knoxville. MG, you, you start over again, my friend. We we missed the beginning of that. All right, can you hear me yep. now? Yeah. All right. Well, I was on the phone with with uh, Brian and Tony Merkle, and I was telling them this story, and it turned out that that same day, earlier on that same day, uh, Tony had had somebody telling him about one they'd seen right in the city of Knoxville uh, with yellow eyes and everything. It was just strange. Like, you know, there's a couple of years apart, but it just, they both kind of hit that same media yeah. at the same time. And I, I you know, it's kind of strange how things correlate like that sometimes. Yeah, that's strange. I've never seen anything like that. I think the weirdest one that I seen while I was driving, though, was actually um, an orb, I guess. I don't really know how to describe it other than that. I was headed west on a two-lane highway. Well, it was four-lane, two-lane directional. And there was a truck to my left, and I was on the right lane. And in front of me, I see this piercing green light. I, I mean, extraordinarily vibrant neon green on steroids and this thing is flying straight at my windshield and at the very last second it cuts off and shoots right in between my truck and the truck next to me like threading the needle really you know and i'm i'm having heading 70 miles an hour one way this thing had to been doing every bit of 100 the other direction it was incredibly fast i did have enough time to just turn my head to the left and look out the driver's side window as it was passing my truck and it was about two feet from my face and I could see like a you ever seen it when snakes have sex yes (laughs) there's like this big ball of just tail and head flopping around everywhere right like they're, they're interweaving almost like a ball of yarn and that's what it looked like it was like these just pieces of this green green neon energy of, of whatever it was were just flying in all different directions, uh, kind of like a Van de Graaff generator, right? Like just sh- while I was shooting down the highway, it was about the size of a golf ball. And I'd never seen it again before or since. You know, I didn't, it didn't grow a third tongue or something crazy like that. Uh, we're only supposed to have two, right? So, I, you know, I don't know. It, it was just strange. That's uh that's weird because your description of that at first I was like snakes having sex what the but okay I get the I get the whole undulating and moving around and Justin that only different colors is exactly what I saw when I called you and told you that I had seen what I thought at first was a a very large seagull flying across the front yeah. of my house but in the center mass of it, it had this ball of energy. 
and it was it was a blue, actually almost uh, the colors that I have on the wall behind me, that that blue and purplish looking um, radiant energy that was just kind of twisting around in the middle of that center mass of uh, initially what I thought was a bird, but it never flapped its wings and. Honestly, it didn't really look like a bird. It looked like it was about two and a half times the size of a um, a crow, which are really common around here. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. It behaved, uh, visually it behaved the same way as what you're talking about. Let me ask you, when it, when it came in between the two trucks, did you notice, was it emitting any of its own light? Uh, was, was the light that it was producing... Did it cast the light on your your cab or into your windows, or was it just kind of self illuminated? It was it was casting light, but it was very mild. You know, like if you look into a flashlight, then you look back into a dark area, and your eyes have to adjust. Yeah. It wasn't so bright that I had to adjust when I looked back to the road, but it definitely illuminated hmm. in a, in, a, in a light manner. Yeah, that's crazy, and I've. I've heard a lot of stories about orbs and all sorts of other things. I've never heard anything quite like that. And I've been seeking somebody else that has seen something similar ever since. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it behaved the, in the same manner that you're talking about, but this thing was in the center mass of something. And initially, like I was telling Justin the day it happened, um, at first I thought it was a, a really big seagull. Um, which I'm really not me- near any bodies of water, but that doesn't mean anything because sometimes you see them sitting in parking lots because they think the the blacktop is a lake. Um, but yeah, it, it was strange. And this thing was on a very straight trajectory. It did not. Uh, it didn't look like it, it raised or lowered in elevation at all. Um, it just flew straight across the front of the house and disappeared around some trees. I was actually had my phone in my hand and I swiped up when I should have swiped down to get to the camera app. Um, and I missed it, but, uh, it was weird and it was in broad daylight. I'm going to take a page out of the crypt of the corn playbook here. What if it was sky jellies? I, I'm open to, it, it was, it was a very unusual sight. You know, it, well, it, it was, well, you said that yours had stuff all around it, right? Well, what if it was, it was the, center mass. What, so, right. But what if it was propagating and what I seen was a baby? Huh? Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. When both of you guys saw it, did it crackle? Like, like look like a ball of almost like electricity. Mine did. Yes. Yeah, it was what like electricity, you? only only it was like uh, a little bit thicker. It, you know, it was, it was like electricity if, if electricity was plasma. I've I seen something that. similar once, and it was green as well, and it was, it, it was like dusk, so it wasn't full daylight, it wasn't nighttime, and I just thought, oh, maybe I saw ball lightning, which is unusual because there was no lightning storm, but similar to what you guys were talking about, it looked it looked like pure electrical, like in a sphere. Yeah. But mine was the size of a golf ball. His was the size of a beach ball. Um, you know, to be honest with you, you know, like I said, I, I was, 
whatever it was in the middle of looked like it was about two and a half times the size of a, a crow. So, you know, even though it was center mass of it, I don't think it could have been much more than, you know, the size of maybe like a 16-inch uh, softball. It was not that far away from me at all. I mean, you know, probably 35 to 45 feet in the air and less than less than 40 yards away from me. You know, it literally flew over the house across the street from me. Well, I don't know how big the crows get where you live, but they get pretty darn big over here. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, they're a good-sized bird for sure. Um, but there was no wing flap to what I saw um, the entire time that it was within my my vision. It was just... It just went straight across. It was weird. I have no idea what the hell still it was. A neat, still a neat sighting, Eric. Still a real neat sighting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It sticks with me for sure. I got reverse footprints. Reverse footprints. I am intrigued. So, <laughs> explain. So, uh, I don't know if anybody listened to the, the one of the first episodes we did on Corn with Eric and the roof caved in the second Eric started talking about like spirit stuff in a Bigfoot episode. Yeah. But literally the whole roof, like the day we're moving out, gets punched through. Uh, it's it's still crazy audio stuff because you just hear, and then <laughs> us getting up and mutes for a second. Literally happened no, that apart- in the middle of the, the interview. Yeah. Well, we were already like two and a half hours in. Yeah. And then we got to the the, the spiritual stuff. And then now, you know, I love this house because I've known personally everybody that's died in it. So, you know, it's a lot easier. But uh, with that apartment, all kinds of weird stuff happened. Uh, my wife's name's Emily, if anybody doesn't know. So it, a lot of it was centered around Emily, which was even weirder, you know, especially when she was home alone, which really was what bugged me about it. So I'll share some, like, some stuff that happened with her. But so we were on an apartment. So the bottom floor was like two businesses. Uh, the middle floor was four apartments and the top floor was all one big apartment. So there's only five other people in this building and or five other groups of people, I guess, you know, and we knew all but really one of them. So like the door, like the doors in the apartment would randomly open and stuff. And you always say it's an old building. So it's just old building stuff. You know, you always do that and the creeks and stuff fall, you know, would fall off the walls every once in a while, but you can always say it's an old building. So, but one time, uh, I was in Finley, which is a town near us. And she was on the phone with me because somebody, so we lived on this, like the end of this little hall. We were the only door on the end of this little hall. So the only reason to come down there was to get, you know, to go to our apartment. And a guy, the door's locked, Emily's sitting on the couch. So she can literally, it's like fog glass. So she can see, you know, a, a silhouette of a person, but they can't see each other kind of deal. So she's sitting on the couch and some guy comes up and tries to open the door. She just thinks, you know, basically it's just, there's like, there's a couple of college people in this, you know, they just got the wrong apartment number. So she's like, uh, you know, who are you looking for? Talking to the door. Nobody answers. Eric, he didn't say anything and he jiggles the handle again. And then she's like, Hey, you know, this isn't, this isn't the right apartment. This is not one you're looking to get in. And he, you know, keeps juggling, juggling, juggling. 
Then finally she says, uh, we had a, you know, we had a handgun in the apartment and she says, okay, I got, you know, I have a gun, you know, and then the guy just, you could see him back up and just walk down the hallway. Never said a word, constantly jiggling, trying to get in the doors locked though. So that was really weird. And then like a week later, we had like a little park around back parking lot and I noticed muddy boot prints coming into the apartment. Like, so going up the stairs into our apartment. Yeah. But what was weird was I'm like, they, uh, they're leaving the apartment. So I might, I misspoke a little bit. They're leaving my apartment mud, no mud going to my apartment. So I'm like, this is really weird, you know, and I get to the apartment, I unlock the door and the boot prints start on the other side of our door on the, well, like on the welcome mat. There's nowhere else in the apartment. So these boot prints started in the apartment muddy. And as they walked down the hallway, down the stairs, they got less muddy. Super freaky. We were so ready to be out of there. Wow. And it's just constant little stuff. I don't think you've told me that one. No, I I, I know I have it. Uh, that one because Emily was talking about coming on and doing it because that was you know those are her kind of yeah encounters. Well, she had sent me that uh, that video from where you guys work. She was walking down that hall, and uh, she dips into one of the the nursing rooms, and the uh, the room's not even completely finished with all the wiring and everything and the the call light is on and there's there's not even a bed in there it wasn't even hooked up that yeah. was the problem yeah. is the call lights weren't so me and emily both for she still works at a nursing home i worked there for a little bit of time they built two new like wings on each side i worked on assisted living she works on like long term so each, they built these two new wings and they just had these like sheets of plastic that would kind of separate the the new wings from the old, you know, the old part of the building. Mm-hmm. And my side, we had all, uh, a lot of Alzheimer's patients, which, you know, they're fine, but sometimes they get a little confused and stuff like that. Sure. So I, I swear one time, uh, a guy named Roy, I swear I seen him go through the plastic. He's one of the, the worst ones we had, you know, for kind of getting really confused and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I just gotta go get him. He must've thought it. I don't know why he thought his room was on the other side of the plastic, but you know, go down there. He's not there. Swear I seen a person. I swear I seen him specifically. Nobody's there. Clear all the rooms. Nobody's there. Go to check his room and he's just sitting there watching TV. And then she had the call lights and it's it, that. It's weird because it's brand new. You know, the, the whole building's only like 12 years old and the expansions were just built last year. Yeah. Two years ago, I guess. It's weird. Well, my daughter worked in a assisted living facility. And, um, you know, she's, I mean, she's a pretty reasonable person. Um, she, she likes this kind of stuff, but she's not super into it. Um, but she said there were a couple of times where she's walked past, uh, a room to check in on the, uh, you know, the, um, the people and she'll see, uh, like a silhouette reflecting in the, in the TV that's shut off, you know, like something else standing in the room. And I mean, if there's going to, if there's going to be any hauntings or spirits just kind of floating around, uh, left over in limbo or whatever, uh, that those would certainly be places that you would expect it. Squirrely Dan, welcome. Get that guy a freaking puppers. 
Did anybody get that? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I love Letter Kenny. Absolutely love it. Squirrely Dan. You here to talk or just listen? Either is okay with me. I'm just here to listen. Just here to listen. All right, man. Thanks for being with us tonight. Let's hear from let's hear from Nick. Nick is the resident skeptic here. Nick Nick doesn't believe in anything. But yet nope. Nick has some has some weird stuff going on in his house. I have, that is true. Enlighten us, my friend. Uh well, I mean, we live out my parents live out by a state park. Uh, we're pretty sure they're used to... Uh, the theory is, and my sister did the research, I never did, is that there was like some ancient like Indian burial ground somewhere around our house. Uh, there absolutely my, is. My cousin who lives a mile away, they have like, they found like old foundations and like pots and stuff in their woods that's like half a mile away. So it's definitely, like, you know, that makes it more, you know, in the sense of spiritual stuff, more energy, I guess is what it's called or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, I've definitely had, you know, things happen uh, more the older I got. I moved into the basement of my house, and in the room I slept in the closet, like had, you know, bare concrete walls and wasn't a finished closet. And I know that apparently is more connected to the ground or whatever the heck. Um, but I've had, you know, instances of I'd wake up and my closet door is open. Lights would be on. My parents would go on vacation all the time. So it would just be me there. And it'd be like, oh, I didn't leave that door open. Oh, I know I didn't leave that light on. Um, I told Eric today I would like, you know, wake up and hear three knocks in my closet. And I'd just go, okay. And just, you know, roll over and not care. Um, so I've had stuff like that at my house, um, stuff where like my sister told me stories when she grew up, my mom would always go downstairs and play solitaire on our computer that was downstairs. And one night she vividly heard someone walk down the stairs and like click clacking on the computer underneath her room. And she goes down there because she heard it for hours and no one was there. And in the morning she asked my mom. Hey, how long were you playing solitaire last night? She's like, I didn't. I was asleep the whole time. So there's been, you know, weird stuff at that house. And I guess to answer Eric's point, I don't really think about it. I try not to. Um, there's more stuff. Uh, the older I got, I dealt a lot more with depression and uh, suicidal thoughts and darker stuff. And I definitely, you know... I'm more on the religious side of the spiritual stuff. So I'm really big into like angels and demons existing. Um, and I lived at an apartment cause me and my parents weren't getting along and I dropped out of college. My parents were not happy, obviously. And, uh, they made me move back home 
and I was going through a rough patch, uh, and I was I kind of was not being religious anymore, and I was kind of blaming God for a lot of my issues. And Eric knows my parents. That's definitely not a my family kind of thing. Uh, it's very much. Uh, believe in him and trust in him and all you do kind of thing. And I very much agree with it, but I aggressively would like argue with them for the first couple days I was back and blame God for everything and was super angry. And I basically blamed him and my parents for everything. And I think on one of the first nights, my dad said he woke up in the middle of the night and felt this really negative, dark presence, like, standing over him in his bed upstairs. Um, and he felt, you know, like it woke him up. He said he felt very oppressed, like he needed to stay in his bed and not get up. And so he said the first thing he did is came downstairs because he felt like it was something from me. He said he stood over my bed and prayed for me, and then it went away, and weirdly, my anger stopped after that. So, you know, I, I've i had experiences like that, and I don't—it's hard for me to think it's supernatural. I do believe it was, you know, I was going through a dark time, and I was influenced, and I don't think I was possessed, but definitely had attachment. So I've had stuff like that happen. Wow. Holy smokes, man. How are you a skeptic? Yeah, it's easier. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I mean, that was, I that was great. Before I before I worked with you, Eric, you know, I worked at the jail here. I've definitely seen things there too that if I wasn't a skeptic, I'd be like, "Oh, okay, that's creepy." But yeah. you know, that's typical at a jail. Yeah, his skepticism. <laughs> he explained it to me the other day, and. I mean, I, I can't fault him for it because it does make sense. But his, his skepticism is more a um, just a, a lack of a desire to look into it. No, I mean, and it's healthy to be skeptical to begin with. I, it's refreshing, but uh, just that's, that's amazing, man. Yeah. It's awesome. Awesome stories. Yeah. Glad that you shared. Yeah, no. And I totally get like believing in all this stuff and like like Eric knows I'm opening I'm open to listening about it and talking about it and it's cool but I guess it's more I've very I have a very firm belief in like my Christianity and my faith and I'm content believing what I believe but I'm not you know so a stereotypical so close-minded in my religion that I can't even have the conversation that there it might be other stuff going on and I think that's a great perspective. I mean, I think what he just said is it's invaluable because I think there's, you know, you got you got those of us that that delve into this stuff on a daily basis. You know, we we try to create a an alternate or alternative profession for ourselves by talking to people who experience these things all the time. Um, you know, you have light workers in here who are dealing with their version of of what's going on and, and their beliefs and you know, and then you have you have people who like like Nick who, you know, you have something go 
it obviously left uh, an impact on him. And, you know, if, if you're, if he delves into it, you know, it, it's probably something that you really don't want to know that much about, you know, he's thankful that he's not in that headspace anymore and that things are good. And yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't fault anybody th- for that at all. I think that's partly why I'm a quote unquote skeptic too, is after that whole event with my dad and like, I knew something was wrong, but then when he like confirmed it to me months later, like, Hey, I felt something really dark. Yeah. It changed how I thought about it. And it's like, I don't even want to think about any of like, I'm just not going to let my brain go there. Cause it's, I've been down the dark road and I don't want to go back. So it's just easier to be like, yeah. Good. I have something that I kind of would like to touch on real quick, if you don't mind, sure, to kind of piggyback off of what Nick was saying. Because, um, you know, like I had explained my story about how I'm kind of going through the spiritual awakening, but I also have pretty firm beliefs. Like, I, I'm still kind of fit into, you know, the Christianity box, but I just feel like there's more than what's been taught, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, the way I kind of look at it is I'm kind of going through this, like, light working journey. But a lot of stuff, I mean, is supernatural is also in the Bible as well. So, like, I feel like it's okay. I'm not trying to tell you you need to open up (laughs) or anything. I don't want it to come off that way. But I'm just trying to explain my reasoning behind it, like, in my thought process kind of going into it. Because I always... The backstory that I didn't wasn't going to go into before was that I feel like there's more than what's outlined in the Bible, and I think there's more to it. Um, and I'm open to exploring that, but I still like, like I still wear my cross every day. I still believe in Jesus, and you know, a follower of all of that. And it's it's is it interesting because I'm trying to get in touch with some like local spiritual people. And one person had made a comment about the cross that I was wearing and where the other person had been like, no, everybody has their own journey and their own spiritual process. And there's nothing wrong with that. And um, so I just thought it was really interesting how navigating all of this, everybody has a different um, opinion because the person that kind of knocked it grew up very Pentecostal. (laughs) So her view on it is totally maybe not as open, you know, they had yeah. very strict rules and everything. Whereas other people who maybe didn't grow up around that is more open to it or not open. Yeah. I don't know if I made sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you, you made, made perfect sense. sense. Yeah. I, I think I want to throw my hat in the ring on this one in regards to Nick being that I've worked with a lot of people who have been in similar situations when you get rid of that oppression, attachment, whatever it was, whatever you want to call it, you don't want to go back there. So mentally, there becomes like a blockade that you create as a defense mechanism to prevent you from going there and even seeking anything out almost that would potentially take you back there. It's, it's like a safety thing. Does that make sense? True words never spoken. 
Yeah, I would I would have to agree. And I I think that perfectly explains what I what I specifically did in that scenario. Yeah, and sweetie, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, and I, I completely get where you're coming from. And first and foremost, may I just say, thank God you're okay. And you got through it. And it was probably a bit of a faith lesson for both you and your dad to experience something like that. So, you know, if anything, maybe it deepened everyone's faith. And, you know, I just, I wish you the absolute best from this day forward. Well, thank you. Yeah, I had some pretty nasty stuff happening to me when I was younger. And I closed it off, I guess, about 15 years ago. And as much as this all interests me, I'm always afraid, like, what's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back and then all floods back in and scares the crap out of me again, you know? Um, some part of me feels like that's an ignorant way to look at it because if there is something else going on, my adult brain says I should be aware. And then the other part of me is like, eh, ignorance is bliss. Well, I think that's why it's really important, you know, to have a strong spiritual protection or spiritual fortification, which, you know, I know Eric and I agree on fully. Yeah. If you're going to be looking into this stuff, you got to remember this stuff is looking back at you. I deal with this on a daily basis. Like my normal day is a lot of your like crazy weird days that you've had once or twice. That's a normal day for me. <laughs> so I mean, if I'm not strong and I don't know how to care for myself and make sure if I'm getting the hit, like close down, start bubbling, you know, do something happy and light and, and I'm not paying attention. It's very easy, you know, to, to get taken down a nasty road. I get it. The stuff is fascinating and you want to hear other people's stories and, you know, as we're in here right now, I'm doing my part as much as I can within reason to make sure that this is a very safe, energetic space as well. So sorry if you all are sweating, but that's, you know, that's my contribution is just making sure that everyone's safe and you guys can share safely, get it off your chest, but not feel like it's leaving anything with anyone Thank you. Yes, most definitely. Thank you. Of course. Your efforts are very appreciated. Well, even though I don't know all of you, I still love all of you and I care about every single being on this earth and I want everyone to be safe. And this is, I mean, there's been some pretty rough stories that have been shared tonight, to be perfectly honest, but I think through those stories, that's when people start to learn or feel more comfortable with sharing things that have happened to them. And so that you guys have a place to talk about it and understand what really happened. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, you know, you know, with, you know, in regards to Nick, um, you know, he's, he, he stated he's got a very firm belief in his faith and you know and that's that's where he's rooted and he doesn't have the need to delve into any of the other stuff unnecessarily um, but the fact that he's in here is so encouraging to me that somebody can have 
that stout of a belief, not waver from it, but still be able to be open enough to accept other people's perspectives on things. And, you know, throughout the course of all of my shows, that's the thing that I always, I always want for my listeners is to walk away being able to understand something from somebody else's perspective. Whether it fits your paradigm or whether it doesn't, whether it changes your belief or it doesn't, at least you have that opportunity now that you can look at something from an additional perspective. All right, my friends, that's it for tonight's show. I hope you all enjoyed a peek at what it's like to be a part of one of these live chats on Friday nights in the Discord server. I would encourage any of you and all of you to head down into the show notes, find that link, and get signed up. It's free, doesn't cost you anything, and it's a lot of fun. Please make sure to share the show, share it with others, share it with friends, family, coworkers, however and wherever you can. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram, both at Uncomfortable Podcast 65. And if you've had an experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show, please reach out to me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in this week, and as always, my friends, stay uncomfortable. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.